Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric, with respect co-host Robert, and we are here in a Hi. new era in the site. We'll be spending our primary objective all about the balanced data slate, which conveniently came out this past Thursday. So we have, looking over the weekend of events, some events uh, did use the balanced data slate, some did not, due to short notice. All sound incisions. Um, it's always tough to spring something new like that onto new players. But uh, let's get into the rapid fire section first and kind of get into uh, some quick questions. Dugga, 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 dugga. So, Robert, obviously, uh, Custodes got hit a little hard. How are you feeling? Uh, I no longer have kneecaps. And also, I don't know how to count above four. No, in all legitimacy, um, the the balance data slate um, did hit a lot, did do a lot of things to us. Like our resilience went down by a lot. But at the same time, when I look at it in the broader scheme, being able to look at going extreme here, a Warlord Titan with a strength 20 gun and being able to tell it, haha, you wound me on fours is not fun. <laughs> for nice anyone looking at it. Yeah, it's, it was at first I thought, what about this? What about that? And I thought, and you get a product. Well, they still kept that. So I'm like, all right, let's see how all this kind of shakes out. We'll see what, let's get some games on the table and before we get too bogged down with like hot takes. But it was like, yeah, it just felt like they were really hammering on Custos, and I kind of felt that, well, the biggest one I thought it got away with, it was Tyranids. You know, the new book is coming out, and from all previews, sounded like it's supposed to be way over the top in terms of what it can do. And there's still the question of, is Crusher Stampede legal or not? Apparently, that's still a um, hotly debated topic in the competitive circles, and um, as well as the Leviathan supplement from Octarius. So not really sure if they got all the bases covered on this one. Well, my my honest opinion is okay. They they had the Tyranid Codex probably in print before they started working on the balanced data slate. So at that point, they couldn't go. Oh well, we're gonna day one nerf the Tyranids unless it's an emergency. So at that point, it's safe to assume that for the next about month. We are going to see Tyranids, that is specifically Leviathan, and Crusher Stampede sitting on the top list of most events for a while until GW comes down the comes down the pipeline and goes, Hey, you don't get at least one of these things, which will pro will most likely be the um Leviathan stuff because that came out in a Octarius book but at the same time there's no real telling because of the fact that like orcs have stuff in the octarius books and that stuff's perfectly legal with their book because it came out afterwards yeah that's what's the, the other way thing. around the cult of strife stuff from the other nachman book is still legal for drakari but again like you said it came out after the codex and we all know that the codex release rate has been kind of jumbled a little bit this year so was the intent that the Tyranid book would have been out by now instead of the uh, Octarius book. I'm not sure. So, yeah, like if if you put it into perspective, if the if the world didn't go oops a daisies, um, 
and the scheduled release date was like normal, then yeah, we would have had Death Guard and Drukari way earlier than January. We would have had, I'm pretty sure by this point in time, we would either be on the last Codex release or maybe some like other really wait, like really weird chaos release or something like the entire squat thing that they talked about on April fools. And it turns out to be a real thing. If anything, with the actual release schedule, if it was back to normal, the squats would have been the last codex release of the year because new faction. Yeah. Uh, I actually think the uh, space Marine 2.0 is the one that's going to come out at Christmas time. Yep, and I'm going to cry. Yeah, because um, <laughs> I think we got a big win from this balance data slate, and I think Marines will be back before you know it. Um, this Armor of Contempt rule is it's a little... does not roll off the tongue really well, but once you see it in gameplay, oh my god. <laughs> yep, like I actually got to do a game in Marines that. this afternoon. Um, so... Just to give a really silly example, because it was silly, we both laughed at it. Um, I put two salvo launchers from my Virtus Praetors, which are AP minus four, mind you. So normally you wouldn't get a save unless you had an invuln, uh, into a Phobos Librarian. The Phobos Librarian was in cover. Um, so he goes from a three up to a two up. Okay, you would have six up save. Uh, he has a camel cloak, putting him to a five up save. Well... Armor of Contempt makes my missiles AP minus three. Uh, effectively, the the Phobos Librarian had a. Um, oh no, I'm thinking of the Camel Cloaks wrong. He gets plus two to his cover saves while he's because you know being sneaky and stuff. So he went from a three up to a one up, and then my missiles are AP minus three now. So yeah, a Phobos Librarian had a legitimate four ups armor save against Salvo launchers. So, yeah, little things like that. All of a sudden, you know, what used to be a kind of a dead and forgotten faction is back to life. I didn't realize to like the third or fourth reading that also it's not just infantry, it's vehicles as well. So dreadnoughts, uh, tanks, even heck, even when they're flyers. So I'm starting to look at those again. Just <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, the, um, the idea of pulling pulling back a nightmare here of the 8th edition Iron Hands Broviathan. Okay, your Leviathan can continuously have a 3-up armor save against AP1. And there was actually a um, additional thing that Space Marines got in the balance sheet specifically for Salamanders that not a lot of people talked about. It involves something not being able to re-roll the wound roll. Yeah, because they already had a... Uh damage reduction ability so it would have been lost so they well let's give them something new instead i'm like oh crap man i'll get a reroll. all right <laughs> yep so salamanders are definitely back on the table if you want something that is incredibly resilient um iron hands are also there if you're literally going to be like one of our local players i love him to death but dear jesus yeah. you don't need 13 dreadnoughts <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, otherwise space Marines will be coming back with a vengeance and I, this is going to be a lot of speculation, 
and I'm probably totally wrong, if this armor of contempt rule continues to exist uh, into Space Marines 2.0, there's a chance that they might just make Space Marines go to having a two-up armor save across Yeah, at first board. I thought that would make it easier, because when I read the rule, it's like, wow, this is really wordy. And then I thought, hmm, no, wait a minute, stop that. So, for example, um, what I've done with my list just to adapt is I've loaded up on all my AP zero weapons. I had a, a few of them, and I didn't use them that much. Now I'm like double downing on them because AP zero is still you're still making saves on three ups as opposed to a two up because you're you're reducing my AP zero to zero. <laughs> so um, it's almost like you you got a free ability, but and you're paying for it, but. Uh, we're negating that. So it's almost as if, if if you're doing list design, AP zero or AP minus three, there is no one or two at this point. One or two is almost useless. Yeah, I I can definitely agree with the um, AP minus one feeling really iffy because of the fact that my Sagittarium, um, I brought a brick of five of them to my game today. And I love shooting 15 shots that are all wounding Marines on threes at AP one, making of a four up save. Mathematically, I kill half the unit. Uh, I shot five of them into a 10 man brick of intercessors today. I killed three of them. It's the new math, the new, you know, new MEQ at this point. This is crazy. So yeah, which, but overall looking at it, it was a, Oh, we actually get to try and play a game now. I'm not sitting here leaf blowering someone off the table because um, my Aqualon custodians with their Solarite power gauntlets, <laughs> yay, a whole bunch of made up words. Um, they are making the custodians at strength, hitting on twos at strength 10, AP minus four, and flat two damage. A Marine wouldn't get a save, a custode would barely get a save. So now it puts me to AP minus three. So a space marine gets the same save that a custode does, basically. Yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of it's just moving the needle on this rethinking. And the other thing we haven't really talked about yet, it's not just space marines. It's chaos marines, thousand suns, death guard, as well as sisters of battle got this as well. Oh, I forgot about that. And yeah. gray knights, because I, yep, because they're sainted Astartes. So that matter, Blood Angels and Dark Angels got this as well. So, and Death Watch, I guess. Oh, uh, I mean, Death Watch is kind of eh, but Dark Angels. <laughs> Why do I need right. AP four to crack a Terminator? <laughs> Stop it. So, other thing that came out, um, kind of hidden. You know, kind of people thought, oh, okay, great. But the Imperial Guard getting a massive. Uh, basically, uh, six to hit is an automatic wound. <laughs> and if you want, to, and just because we didn't learn our lesson from uh, back in seventh edition when we had uh, Admech, all your war gear is free. <laughs> I mean, at that point, if they keep all the war gear free on a squad of infantrymen, when their book finally comes out, uh, I, I could see a guardsman squad being like seventy points just to compensate for the fact that you get free work here. But no, it is definitely funny. The internet is true of Warlord Titan a hun effectively 144 wounds. 
yeah. torn down to shreds by last oh guns. God, and especially you're taking account first rank fire, second rank fire, and, and um, I know they have another way of shooting in the uh, in another phase, fight phase, or like that. Fight, yeah, it's um, I yeah, I believe it's the fight phase because they also have an it's. They have two different orders. One yeah. that lets you fight in the shooting phase <laughs> with like ready bayonets or whatever, surprise. and then the other one is <laughs> is um. It's like, I fight you in the shooting phase. Ah, what? <laughs> um, and then yeah, now there's one that lets you shoot in the fight phase, probably. And, and honestly, all of these, all of the buffs that they've been giving to Imperial Guard, like the fact that they're also not. They are the only faction that does not get impeded by the um, balances to yeah, indirect we need fire to that too, because that's another huge one. But yeah, it's weird. It's so, so you may see some guard on the table. We'll see uh, as time progresses if we'll they make a comeback. But let's talk about in, indirect fire. This was a major headache. Um, smoke them if you got them. Some armies have it in spades. Some armies have no access to it. Major, major change. Very wordy as well. Not very new player friendly. But long and short of it is, if you're firing an indirect weapon that does not have line of sight to the target, uh, not only are you a... If your ballistic skill is reduced by one, and I'm being very cautious with my wording on that, and the opponent's armor save is improved by one. So the reason why I say it that way, and struggling with my words, is because if there's any additional minus one modifiers, they do stack. So a ballistic skill three night spinner firing at a unit that they cannot see in woods would indeed be hitting on fives. And that is intended to be that way. Yeah. So now there is the caveat. So like if we go with orcs, um, the squig buggies, the squig buggies, we innately hit on fives. So we're shooting out of line of sight. Okay. We hit on sixes. Okay. You're minus one to hit. Uh, Oops. That would make you hit on a seven, and obviously in eighth edition, nothing that means yeah. nothing would happen. But in ninth edition, yeah, in ninth edition, there is a caveat in the rules where if you roll a six on any kind of attack or anything, the six automatically succeeds. So at that point, it's a um, it's the catch-all of like, oh, a six always hits and a one always fails. I remember coming into the scenario in. Dallas Open back in 2021 where my opponent was shooting through dense cover at my minus one to hit by captain and with a, um, a forge fiend. So the forge fiend was effectively hitting on eights, but we called over judge to verify and then we found the paragraph and it was like, oh yeah, no, sixes always hit no matter what it is. And I'm just like, that's cool. Yeah, the old rule from like third edition was terrible, so I'm glad they got you know, kind of simplified that. And it would have been uh, if you were hitting on eights, then you would you would roll, you take all the sixes that hit, and then roll again, and then you would have to hit on fives with the sixes you rolled. That was very annoying. Yeah. <laughs> so, so now given now. Also, given the orcs on the squig buggies, the heavy squig launcher, so the bigger gun, has an innate plus one to hit inside of it. Um, so, at that point, the orcs will always be hitting on at least fives with the um, with the heavy squig launcher mm. when it's shooting out of line of sight. 
but it does it does take away the incentive of literally just parking behind a building unless you absolutely have to. So yeah, it's it, it might as well be um Commissar Yarick riding a Baneblade going, get me yeah, closer, exactly. I want to see the white of their eyes. And you just drive your vehicles forward and blast whatever. Well, at this you point want I don't it. see a indirect weapon that is effective anymore. I mean, it says, well, they can take out guardsmen. <laughs> Unless they make a comeback, there hasn't been a whole lot of them or cultists or anything else out there. So um, I don't see a... Because you because you lose that additional AP in addition to the ballistic skill. It's like, oh my god. It's I just don't see any weapons that are... I'm not going to do nothing but harass and may do some chip damage, but that, you know, the days of taking things out at distance without seeing them, I think, are gone. Yeah, uh, unless you are, like I pointed out, Astra Militarum. They're the only ones who can still shoot basilisks and wyvern and wyverns without the um, without them being benefited, without them being affected by the indirect fire rules as presented on the balanced data sheet. But that does not say that the other unit that you are shooting at does not benefit right. from the better armor save. And you can't see this on the radio, but I am rolling my eyes. It's, I used to hate playing that against guard because there's also you got to remember they're parked in a quarter somewhere, and there's probably like forty guardsmen like semicircled around them, so you can't get near them. I'm just like, oh, this is so stupid. <laughs> I want to kill that tank. <laughs> That's a just plucks off all everything that's mm-hmm. like sitting on an objective on my side. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and it's it can definitely be a big game changer because when you going back to orcs again, because of how many nerfs have happened mm-hmm. to stuff like swig boogies, um, that's three hundred and thirty points of vehicles that people can switch to something else. Didn't think of it that way. I was saying this a lot of boys. God, I hate those things. Oh, I hate those. Mm-hmm. Oh no, no, no! The defcoptas, the defcoptas are not ignoring line of sight. So yes, that is three hundred and thirty more points oh, of defcoptas. Thank things. you, Eric. They've been my bane of my existence. Oh. <laughs> uh, now, given given that's a humongous points investment because that's another brick of six of them and dear god those things are a pain in the butt oh, to paint that's all <laughs> mine, thank you but yes oh i hate those things big surprises for you when you're looking through the balance data sheet you're like huh didn't see that coming yeah and some other big things that came across um the thing that makes me upset personally is when you look at death guard is a single bullet point but they gave Blight Lord and Death Drought Terminators objective secure. So Custodes Terminators lose out on their objective secure, and Death Shroud and Blight Lords get it instead. It's kind of an odd choice when you put it that way. Yeah, okay. I see what you're saying there. It just makes me frustrated because <laughs> it was, all right, cool. My Custodes can walk around and touch objectives. And now Death Guard can too, because they're just as killy as I am. Yeah, I guess so. I didn't think of it that way. So it, it it's just me being salty as a Custodes <laughs> player. Don't don't mind me. It's 
Uh, I'll deal with it. I'll just continue poking you with Sagittarium. You'll have a two-up armor save, and I'm going to cry. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fine. It's something that'll actually put them on the map. So Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, some of the changes were a little bizarre. That was caught me by surprise. Why are we making them obsec? Is that really what they need? I can think of other things Death Guard could benefit from, but uh, okay. Especially because they also lose, I mean, obviously, the uh, uh, not the Blight Hauler, but um, Plague Burst can Caster there, losing some of its indirect fire. That was one of its strengths. So it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, on the Plague Burst Crawlers. So I was a little surprised by that. Uh, pleasantly surprised that Anari, they cleaned that up, uh, gained strands of fate. So they cleaned up that rule from the uh, Codex. So you can mix Asuriani, Harlequins, and Drukari into a single army and even a single detachment and still benefit from Strands of Fate, which I thought was interesting. It doesn't sound as good as it initially sounds because um, a lot of those data sheets do not have the Strands of Fate uh, keyword on their sheets to benefit from it, but uh, enough other stuff does. So just one more thing to add to it. So... Kind of rethinking. I have my triumvirate all painted already, so maybe it's time <laughs> to take it for Tuspin. Who knows? And I'm assuming that was specifically in the it was, Eldari yeah. FAQ, because as far as I can tell... Okay. Yeah, because that's why I didn't glance it over, because I don't own Eldar. So... Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. I, I think we haven't touched the, um, the, the Tau-shaped cow in the room. Um, so Tau, they got a little bit of a slap on the wrist because um, the big thing that happened in the balance sheet is broadsides are no longer core. So you can't give them the benefits of like full rerolls and all this other stuff from your warlord traits and stuff. So they are just big suits with big guns. <laughs> um, then they actually changed around Montka a little bit, where it's now, if you're attacking the closest eligible enemy unit within the range table of Montka, you only reroll a wound roll of one, which I don't have the Tau book next to me, so I can't confirm yeah, what it changed it was from. Um, I think it might have okay. been like reroll all wounds or something, like something like crazy. Um, and then Farsight Enclaves got touched a little bit where obviously they're the close range Tau. Um, each time they make a range attack against a unit that was within nine inches, it treats the unit that they're targeting as having a marker light. It doesn't actually put a marker light token on them. So the Farsight Enclaves, if you're within nine inches, they'll always essentially be plus one to hit. I remember also in Monka, they got rid of the AP bonus as well. I think it's just a wound roll improvement. So something like that. It was one of those again. I was like, what, what's the original mm. rule again? Okay. So. 
Yeah. When I, after doing the recording tonight, I might scour and see if I can find out the difference. But otherwise, um, Tau are still going to be a really strong book. You may see people dropping broadsides for more crisis suits. But overall, the um, the change to indirect fire and some other things make Tau a little more manageable. Yeah, I was surprised. I was looking for something else there, and it's like I said, it's kind of a slap on the wrist compared to how heavily every other change was made. So I don't see them going away, that's for sure. So Yeah. And this this is definitely more of a just a rant. I think this was a random oopsies or an intentional thing because their books are coming out soon. But if you go over the balanced data sheet, they are in fact missing the old um, update to both knights at counting as five and 10 models respectively for being on an objective, because that's probably baked into their codex that is coming out within the next Correct. month. And to add more two. intrigue to that uh, today on the Warhammer community page, they showed some of the, a, uh, Advantages you can get by marking your Chaos Knights. And one of them was you gain uh, Fall Back and Charge and Fall Back and Shoot. And people are like, well, they had that natively. What happened? Because <laughs> um, I know the... Um, like, obviously, it's part of the Titanic Walker rules where they get to, like, fall back and shoot and whatnot, and they can walk over models as they fall back. So, maybe it's more relevant for the um, the war dogs and the armagers being able to fall back and shoot because they right yeah because they aren't titanic so probably for titanic models they'll still be able to walk and fall back and shoot yeah that was my impression as well that was just the way it was written in the article kind of raised some suspicion you're like oh what's going on here so which I actually saw that as I was scouring for things today I'm just like ooh ooh blood shield I need yeah, to read that, that was later. pretty cool. Okay. It's pretty neat ability, <laughs> and then it has a kilt for all you uh, fans who like the old demon, uh, demonkin codex from Corn. Uh, they have a similar mechanic in there. The more you kill, you can use the blood shield a second time during the game. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> so me marking my chaos knights appropriately will be super handy. <laughs> So it feels, and then to add to that, there was also kind of buried in on that another preview on the community page about Chaos Space Marines. Uh, there's more than just two wounds, a few other changes as well. Indeed, indeed, there are. I know it is, they obviously, they also get two extra attacks, they get plus one leadership. And otherwise, that's off of the basic Legionary, which is what the old cast space marines are now going to be called. Uh, the thing that gets me is the fact that you can give your sergeants and or characters a heavy chain axe. It <laughs> might as well be a thunder hammer. <laughs> I was kind of surprised the demon sword wasn't as I expected more out of it, but I think I'm thinking of a you know demon weapon where you see the D6 extra attacks, which I thought was... But uh, also, you're allowed to bake in your own a, a unit psyker, which is not unique to Thousand Sons. You can throw in a uh, psyker sergeant if you wanted to. I mean, at that point, it makes it really flavorful because of the fact that if you want to do like a true Black Legion thing, okay, maybe the sergeant became psychic, 
completely attuned after worshiping Zinch that day. Like, it's very it's flavorful. flavorful. It's also very tactical. So, uh, not only is it okay, get an extra smite here and there, who knows what ability there is. Um, I'm looking at it as all these psychic secondaries all of a sudden start opening up. So now I can make sure my um, regular sorcerer mm-hmm. who has all the, the big powers, he's casting away at the targets that need to be shot at and buffed. Whereas the uh, lowly sergeant there is, you, know, you, you perform the ritual and get us some psychic points there. So, Yeah, because I know like when you cast powers off of stuff like rubric marines, um, when you recast psychic powers, you do the measurements off of the actual sorcerer in the unit and not the unit itself. So I'm pretty sure they're going to also carry over that kind of rule where you have to measure to the sorcerer and yeah, not the unit I'm, itself. Some, which is right. So I wouldn't, but it's just the idea of this freeing up your... I had the same idea when I was looking at the Assyric Audit Codex. Is, you know, the Farseer is free to do abilities and you've got a little warlock unit to do like actions that require psychic tests. So I'm like, okay, this makes a little more sense. So, Yeah, so it does make me legitimately excited for Chaos-based Marines being super flavorful and being super diverse and not just, oh, we bring this thing and this thing and we're this thing and blah, 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 blah. And you end up having a one note army kind of like how custodes are nowadays. Yeah, so it's, it'd be interesting to see all that through. So lots of changes, lots of news. And um, so this week is kind of a transition week as we're going through the uh, tournament schedule. Uh, some events were using the balance day slate, some were not. Nonetheless, uh, each of us have found a few lists that are of note from some some top players, some soon-to-be top players. Uh, Rara, what you find for a list? All right, all right. So the one that I found, um, it came in first place at the Firebug Alliance Open in... Let's see if I can actually read this location right, because I took German for two years in high school. Um, Etlingen, Deutsch, uh, yeah, Etlingen, Deutschland. So it happened out in Germany. The winner of that event was pull up his name again here so that way I actually get it right was Caillou Orlana anyone with Tyranids but the thing that got me is it's it is still Crusher Stampede and it is Leviathan but he has nine warriors nine raveners I have no idea what raveners do so they're probably using the new book they were they used to be the fast versions of Tyranid warriors because they're the sneaky looking guys and then in recent years, when they added the Jor- Jor- whatever, Jumanji uh, high fleet, they gave them the burrowing ability. So it was a way for them to, to kind of deep strike across the table or tag on with a Turvagon as yeah. they popped out. Yeah, and That's I believe you were yep. talking about Jormungandr. So, but along with the wonderful full, like um, nine bodies of just little big bugs. Um, he brought along a Harpy, a normal Trigon, two Exocrines, opting to not bring Hive Guard because Hive Guard seemed to have been handled. Um, oh, he, I missed it. He did, in fact, bring a single Maliceptor. Maliceptor is the probably one of the golden boys out of the bug book, so be wary of those. Um, and he does... Wow, I didn't read over this list very well. He does have a single <laughs> Brick of Six Hive Guard. Um, 
He also has a haru specs. Mm-hmm. Big old chompy boy with the big mouth. Just nom 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 nom. So that's why I appreciated his list so much. It has so many books. It has so many books I haven't seen on the table in forever. Um, along with a malanthrope and a hive tyrant. So, uh, blah, 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 blah. Yes, he did, in fact, bring the Synaptic Hive Blades relic. That relic, whoo, man, that thing's nasty. I'm trying to remember what that relic does, to be honest with you. Well, good thing I was turning to the page to already read that. So, the... Relics... Okay. Okay, um, synaptic hive blades. I guess that might actually be a relic out of um, Crusher Stampede because I actually do not see it here no, in the actual codex. We'll get back to you guys on Poopy. that. But uh, sorry about that. <laughs> Whoopsie daisies! I got too excited. Um, but no, nah, this list is very much good old classic Crusher Stampede, but instead of bringing things like Hero Duels, which can be hard to get sometimes, he's opting to bring as many big shell bugs as he can find. So like um, bringing the Haru Specs, that is one Toughness 8 bug. The Malice Scepter is also Toughness 8. And then the Exocrines, I know for a fact that those are Toughness 8, because those were Toughness 8 originally. Um, Yeah, so he brought a lot of Toughness 8 stuff, which is generally hard to chew through, and because of the fact that he... Oh, that's actually rather interesting. It has Trigon listed as a heavy support choice, when the Trigon is actually a fast attack choice. Hmm. But, um... Then he also brought Harpy, which is the only T7 bug in the list. After that, everything else is small fry compared to all the big bugs. Very, very interesting. So, yeah, it's a wide range, but it's not the bugs you're expecting either, which is interesting. There's no Tyrant effects there. And the Harpy we've seen in a few other lists. I'm not seeing the big waves of card effects. So I was watching a battle report over the weekend, and the guy spammed Carnifexes and was able to just overrun a custodes player and um <laughs> i i could see that actually happening because by the way we're not distracting carnifexes we are legitimate right. killer carnifexes so curious to see what happens so yeah different <laughs> new lists good to see you all kind of getting out there and some new changes i went on the other end of the spectrum i'm, I'm still friends with my t3 cousins here so I actually went to Houston, Texas here, and two lists that came to mind. Uh, one, both finished first place. Uh, the first and second decided uh, by a mere 12 battle points. So first place went to Colin McDade, friend of the show, and uh, he actually was one of the top Harlequin players last season, and he's back with the Harlequin list post-balanced data sheet and gives you an idea what's to come from the laughing gods uh, troops here so first and foremost no more light he's actually going dark this time so if you like uh that portion of the turkey uh you may not be familiar with it that's an extra minus one ap which is essential with um this armor contempt now floating around and also you get to fight on death for free so he comes in with a battalion with a shadow seer troop master tested two troop masters 
and give you an idea on their war gear. The Shadow Seer's got a Fog of Dreams and Webway Dance. He is an agent of Pandemonium, which I think is hilariously named. Listen in uh, Grenade Launcher and Miss Staff, which are all standard issue, but he also took the Ghoul Mask from the Treasures of the Eldari. So it gives him an extra deny, and I believe it shuts down either an action and or opposite. I'm trying to double that. The other two masters got um, is the Queen of Shards with Kegarok's Rose, which is also pretty nasty. And the second troop master's got a fusion pistol, has the fractal storm power, and also the story sword, which is just... <laughs> you'll learn about it soon. It's pretty silly. Yeah, I believe that I'm is sure the auto-hit sword. So just think, <laughs> take these many hits. But he has a one, two, three, four units of troops. So he's going all foot with these guys. One, two, three of them are five-man units uh, with Fusion Pistol and Kiss on the lead player. And then he's got a nice mix of uh, Kisses and Braces on the rest of the troop. And he does that three times over. He's also got a nice mix of weapons with two Fusion Pistols and two Neuro Disruptors in each unit. And then the final unit is a much larger unit. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Uh, including 10, excuse me, uh, two embraces, two caresses, two kisses, and then a third kiss on the lead player with a fusion pistol. He has a solitaire, and then he adds in five sky weavers. And we see your points increase, and we laugh at you. We still took two units of two void weavers. So not quite uh, the full nine, and then additional <laughs> three star weavers. Again, we laugh at your point increases to put the five man units in. So. It's almost like he just went back to his 8th edition list and said, fine, we'll do it. We can do it this way, too. I mean, that's not a really bad list. Like, knowing how mobile Harlequins are, like, okay, good luck pinning down that list, because I don't think you may not be seeing a whole lot of indirect fire these days. So now you have to get things in in direct line of sight to be able to shoot them. Mm-hmm. And also, like I pointed out with the armor contempt thing, the fact that you get an extra AP means that you essentially right. ignore the armor of contempt rule. And then, oh, you charged me and you fight for us. Okay, you kill my unit. Yeah, well, guess what? I get to fight you with me. Oh, did you interrupt? Okay. Thank you for spending C two CPM on your turn. My turn. Appreciate that. The second list that came in, uh, second appropriately, I just realized what I just said, um, might be the future of things to come. And this is indeed, we touched on this earlier, a Salamander's list that went undefeated. So let's take a look here. We start with a uh, battalion featuring Captain and Gravis armor with Lord of Fire and the armor Indominus. A Primaris Tech Marine with uh, who's upgraded to Master of the Forge with the Obsidian Aquila. And he has Relic of the Chapter uh, stratagem spent on him, so I guess that's the extra paying for the Obsidian Aquila. One unit Infiltrators with a Helix Gauntlet and another unit of excuse me, one, two, three units of Intercessors featuring Auto Bolt Rifles. So those are the Assault ones, correct? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, they're three shots okay. each, no AP. So he's going four, for lots of shooting and because the AP zero, so he's just forcing you to make saves. Just, I don't care what you're not reducing me to below zero, so just roll lots and lots of dice. 
uh, the, each of these sergeants have an Astartes chainsword, as well as also a bolt rifle as well. So it's just loading up on that. In the elite slot, it's got an aggressor unit of five, and then he has a prime, a primaris apothecary. So we upgrade the chief ap uh, apothecary with the selfless healer and a vox espritum. One, two, three redeemer uh -huh. dreadnoughts, all with storm bolters, Icarus rocket pods, and macroplasma incinerators. And then in the heavy support slot, one, two, three eradicator squads, two of them. All of them a three-man squad. The first two have the multi-melta, heavy multi-melta, and the uh, sergeant has the heavy melta rifle. Excuse me. Yeah, multi-melta, heavy melta rifle, and then the sergeant has the heavy melta rifle. And then the third squad is just a stock eradicator squad. I mean, salamanders do love their melta and their flamers. One free roll to hit and one free roll to wound with... It's either both or one or the other. But now you've got the armor content, and you can't reroll damage to these people. So they're just parking on stuff and shooting whatever comes close. And they've got a lot of heavy guns to take out the big stuff. And they got some real heavy stuff to make sure your heavy stuff is occupied. So, yeah, like shoot me shooting into those Redemptor dreadnoughts. Uh, yeah, it's going to take my entire bike squad to kill a single Redemptor nowadays. Crazy, crazy stuff. So I've been talking about this for quite some time. We have a new segment here on the show. Going to add this to our local standings. And, um, you know, we talk like many podcasts. We talk about the upper pinnacle of the meta. You know, who are at the top tables at the top of the game. But the reality is 67% of us statistically will be somewhere in the middle going three and two or two and three at large events hey listeners this is raymond with the extreme honest podcast here to talk to you about kr cases if you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies then look no further than kr cases that's right this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases they're a great way to mix and match Whenever you're heading out for that next tournament, you can just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy, the boxes help protect your models, and if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Exterminatus Podcast. So, every week, we'll be going over not only the top players like we did today, but we'll also bring up this new segment simply called This Week in Mid-Table Obscurity. What that means is I've gone through all of last week's and, uh, tournament results and tabulated from all the events there were at least five games, all the factions that went three and two or two and three. So if you languish in the mid-tables like I do... What does the actual meta look like? And is it just filled with gatekeeper lists? <laughs> what does it look like and what to plan for? Alrighty, so where is this journey so taking gonna us go kind first of in there, Eric? Alphabetical order, not alphabetical, but most numerous orders. So basically, if you're planning to beat the meta and you realize, you know what, I, I need to get over the hump before I can get up to 5-0, and oh, what are the armies I need to face? Well, over the last weekend... 
the most prevalent uh, lists were actually custodes. Yep, that yep. sounds they, uh, pretty darn true. They represented <laughs> almost uh, a sixth of the uh, meta. So basically assume in a five-round event, you will play at least one custodes player. So if your army is not teched out for custodes, you're going to be in a rough piece of trouble. Number two, right behind custodes. Uh, so custodes appeared in 12 appearances this past weekend out of the 94 uh, lists that I looked at that went three and two or two and three. Right behind them were uh, especially Aldari. So this was kind of a mix. Most of them were either Al- uh, Suriani or Suriani mixed with Harlequins. So get to know that new book, learn, understand what they can do, and especially now with the Strands of Fate being extended to multiple uh, parts of that book, understand how that system, and also check your uh, opponent and how he's keeping track of that. There's already some neat new tools available from third-party vendors to keep track of Strands of Fate. And if I remember, strand, not to interrupt you, Eric, sorry, but um, uh, the Strands of Fate thing is like you roll your six dice and then you can use that specific dice for like some So you roll your dice, kind of you roll six dice, and with a Strike Force game, you're allowed to keep four. There are shenanigans and characters that allow you to keep more than four. And depending on what you roll, you get a automatic six in that particular phase. So that's like saying there's six categories. And for example, one ah, would be like okay. charges, one would be to hit rolls, one would be to wound rolls, one would be saves, that sort of thing. One's a psychic roll. So for example, if you really need to get some psychic powers off, ah. your roll, I think it's twos you need. So that's where those dice lead to. So I have an automatic set. So if you roll like a whole bunch of fours, for example, you have a bunch of sixes then waiting for you when you make wound rolls. Oh, cool. And that's... Yeah. Got it. Third Army definitely okay. need to be on the aware of. So they're uh, aware of. They were just as numerous as the Eldari. Well, surprise, surprise, Tau. So Tau still making a huge indent in the middle tables as well. And it's not surprising. Uh, new codex, but not a, new, not a lot of new models. So there's quite a few Tau players out there who just said... Get the dust off these models and bring them onto the table, so we're ready to go. Mm-hmm. Yep, that totally makes sense. Because now that people have kind of figured out, oh, tower still a BS four army. If they can't see me, they don't get to do their marker lights, which means they're going to be hitting me on fours or fives if I'm in a forest or something. Okay, cool. You can mitigate the shooting long enough for you to hopefully get across the table and, you know, poke a hole in a crisis suit or two if you're lucky. But otherwise, yeah, no. Custodes and Tau are definitely some of the mm-hmm. mid-table warrior boogeymen that you need to keep yourself out for <laughs> being one of those boogeymen. So one more of those boogeymen just keep in mind because it's just one behind the Tau and the uh, Suriani we talked about earlier is Death Guard. So this is definitely one of those gatekeeper lists that are out there. They seem to, you don't see a lot of Death Guard lists making it to the top, but they are still out there and they're quite prevalent in the mid tables. And this is before the uh, data slate. So we're curious to see if we're going to more blight lower Terminators and getting, you know, remembering all those abilities those guys had, including that like growing plague thing that grows turn after turn. Yeah, uh, I definitely feel that we are going to see more and more uh, infantry kind of play in after this balance sheet, which 
if we see a lot of infantry, guess what people are not going to bring? Anti-tank guns. You know what's going to be coming out soon? Yep. Big old walking yeah, tanks. definitely confused on what to tech for at this point when it comes to how much tank, when, how much anti-tank do we really need versus how much anti-infantry. So it's, it's starting to split the meta a little bit. Well, the, I can answer that for you. If you have a lot of custodes in the meta, bring all your anti-tank. If you don't have a lot of custodes in the meta, <laughs> yeah, don't gotta worry as much. So when it gets uh, a little lower than that, it gets a little bit murkier, but definitely uh, some key things to keep it out from. Thousand Sons, Drukhari, as well as Necrons made up the and Jinjins for the Cult were all tied for the fifth spot. So if you're looking at a five-round tournament, that could be your fifth opponent, one of those four factions, which, interesting, Gene Sealer Cult. Haven't heard much about them. Supposedly it was a very strong book, but uh, lo and behold, uh, still languishing among the mid-tables. It's probably because of the fact that Gene Sealer Cult have a much higher floor that you have to get to in order to actually pilot the book properly. And then they have an incredibly high ceiling. So like you have to be super tricksy and super tactful to get the most out of your. I've heard that a lot. And I'll be honest with you. It's one of the armies I fear the most, not because they have, I just don't, I think I've played one game against them in six, since sixth edition. So uh, I really don't understand what they do and how they work. And I've seen them played, but it's just one of those things where it's one thing to be judging a game and seeing how the other players piloting. It's another thing to be actually going up against it. So just one of those things I'm a little afraid of. So, Yep. That's I'm in the same boat with that um, into Tau. I have played a whopping four games against Tau since I started playing this game like four years ago. Yeah, I played a few more experiences with Tau, but... Um, I haven't played Tau against... Again, I'd be a lot more against people that were kind of dusting him off and getting used to it. I can't say I've really played Tau against top players who knew all the tricks. So I'm like, okay. So so there we go. Our new segment. Uh, so the languishing in mid-table obscurity there. And I will just say this right now. If you are in the mid tables and you play me and we're at a place that serves alcohol, I will Very most nice. likely buy us a beer because of the fact that if I accidentally leaf blower you off the table, I'm really sorry. If you chew my army off the table, then I'm going to need yeah, a couple of, you know, noticing I was looking at this, probably the one that I did this the previous week and I was like, what the data slate? I was like, let's see how much things have changed. Probably the one army that surprisingly dropped off was the sisters of battle. They almost their numbers almost cut cut in half, which I thought was surprising because of armor contempt. You think more people would take them? It might just be a retooling. We'll see what happens in the next few weeks. But interesting. But yeah, and the other change that they did get that can be relevant is now at the start of each turn, they get a miracle die. That's right. I do remember seeing that. So I'm sure we'll see also more marines because it's another one. No hobby lag required. Just dust them off and bring them on the table. Well, dang, I had two Marine armies. I should have kept one. (laughs) Totally sarcastic. (laughs) Anyway, let's go jump to the very top of the tables here. It's your ITC top 10. Uh, Not a lot of change from the previous week. Uh, In the 10th place, 
in spirit of uh, we just celebrated Easter, and uh, this, I hope it's a, it is indeed the Hollywood actor because he was absolutely hilarious in the movie Hop. And if you've not seen Hop, it's not as bad as the trailer made it look like. It's actually hilariously funny, and there's not a lot of Easter movies. But uh, James Marsden uh, still hangs out in tenth place uh, with Necrons. Joseph Gillespie in ninth with Tyranids. Uh, Nathan Borge uh, with Custodes still hanging on to eighth place. Uh, Brandon Weiss and Quinton Johnson trade spots. Uh, Quinton Johnson dropping down to seventh. Brandon Weiss jumping back up to sixth. Fifth place, Ryan Snyder with Custodes. Mike Porter with Custodes and Harlequins. Interesting where he'll be going as uh, both armies have seen significant changes since the date sheet. What he'll be doing next. Thomas Ogden with uh, Tau coming in third. Matt Robertson, also a man of many armies, Tyranids as well, Harlequins in second. And the man, the chameleon himself, Manny Chima. <laughs> I think he's changed armies four times since we've rec- started recording this episode. He still remains the number one player in the ITC with 1,254 points. So are you sure he's just not a traveling player? He could well player. be. He could be the Watcher. He could be an Eternal. Who knows? Um <laughs> He could be an Exodite. No That's one another knows. good point. I never thought. By the way, uh, Exodite finally ended on Warhammer Plus. Did you get a chance to see it? Yes, yes, I did. I I honestly love how they did the death gesture. That was a very good, yeah. No spoilers here, but um, the ending was pretty nifty. Yeah, I was kind of like, oh, well, that's a quite a twist. And especially looked at the uh, the Wraith Knight. I was like, can my Wraith Knight do that? <laughs> Oh, oh, you mean like the two or three of them that walked out there and just went, by the way, here's a Warlord yeah. Titan. Swing. I was kind of like, oh, maybe I should look at that as a potential build. So. Well, because th- I think those were actual Revenant Titans, weren't they? Uh, Revenant Not the Wraith Knights? I think they have better, bigger wings on the back. I have, to, I have to watch it again just to see that again. I honestly don't know the difference. I just went, they are as big as a Warlord Titan. Yeah. Well, they the fact that earlier in the the um, Warlord Titan in episode one cut a Manta missile cruiser in half with a volcano cannon. I was like, oh, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> what is thinking? Like, that's like a $1,200 Forge World model <laughs> that takes like four months to build. <laughs> you just chopped it in half. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the Warlord Titan is three grand. So I forgot how much the Manta missile. I think it's huge. I mean, it's literally a carrying case by itself. But anyway, anyway, that concludes our show for this week. So, any other um, questions or things we want us to cover during the week? uh, Hit us up on our Facebook page. Of course, we'll be bringing more of our insight into both the top as well as the mid tables, and uh, take a look at how the meta takes shape as the balanced data sheet has uh, is now official. It's been released. We'll be seeing uh, Imperial Knights as well as Chaos Knights. More previews to come and also up for pre-order pretty soon. This is also our first week with the Tyranid Codex being uh, available to players of all shapes and sizes being used in tournament play. So we'll see all that in the next few weeks. In the meantime, my name's Eric. And thank you for listening to the Exterminize Podcast.